0: It is so good to see y'all this evening. I want to say how uh, glad I am again to see my friend, our friend, Brother Val Elms, pastor in West Fork, working in this area during the week and able to slip in and be in service with us tonight. And uh, always good to see him. He sneaks in. Uh, I know why preachers do that. (laughs) Preachers do that so they don't have to preach. I know what what he's doing. Um, But it's good to have him with us this evening. Now, as we go through this um, through this study, and I, I guess if y'all don't mind, you could go ahead and throw our uh, series sermon title up on the screen. Um, we're talking about the high call of holiness, the high call of holiness. I don't just want to preach through this. I really want to teach through this, if the Lord will help me. Uh, I'm sure... I'm sure that at some point somebody will have to hold my mule because I'll, I'll get excited at some point through this. But I, I think it's important that when we're talking about such an important subject, any subject in the Bible needs to be taught. Let me say that first. Every subject in the Bible needs to be taught. We can't live off preaching alone. And they amen, amen me back there. We can't live off preaching alone. Um, we've got to be taught and have the engrafted Word of God get into our hearts. And um, so, to that end, I am—you know—that I am a huge proponent of teaching. And matter of fact, if if we could only have one, I would choose teaching, because uh, it, it is it is what is going to keep us established and forever settled in the Word of God. So, we go to different s- uh, subjects in the Bible, and we teach through them. Uh, I really think it's very important that we teach through holiness. Uh, we, can, we can get loud, and we can, and we can raise some, uh, our voice and, and have fervor and hit some high points in preaching it, but that doesn't explain it to everybody. And so sometimes when we're preaching, we say things that we take for granted that everybody understands, right? Right? We say, we take it for granted. We say something along the lines of, uh, you know what, you know what uh, the Lord said to Moses. And some people out there saying, no, I don't know what the Lord said to Moses, you know. Um, And and we just assume you remember what happened with David and Goliath. And not everybody remembers what happened with David and Goliath. So um, we've got to slow down and talk through some things. And I'm saying that to say this. When I, when I teach through this subject, I don't get in a hurry, and uh, I don't mean that I'm going to keep you forever tonight, okay? Uh, I, by the way, y'all will be glad to know, um, n- not right now because you think I'm wasting time just talking like I am, but you'll be glad to know that uh, Brother Andrew was giving me some updated statistics on my preaching time, and I have shaved two or three minutes off my average on Wednesday night. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And Sunday, I've shaved a few minutes off my averages there, so uh, we are headed in the right direction. Okay, so just want y'all to know that if y'all aren't proud of me, I am. So, um, so I won't hold you forever. When I get when I when I feel like we're at a good time in the service, I'll shut it down because we're going to be coming back to this. I don't want to rush through it, and. And please bear with me because I don't want to jump straight to questions about hair and apparel, okay? It, it it does no good for us to start talking about things like that if we haven't established the whys of all of this and and where we come from in it. Are y'all okay with that? All right, so tonight we're going to begin. Um, I'm going to read uh, a few passages of Scripture to you. And then I, I want to say some things that this is probably just more or less going to be an introductory message. Deuteronomy 26 and verses, um, let's go to verses uh, 16 through 19. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with awe. Somebody say awe. With all thine heart and with all thy soul. Thou hast avouched the Lord this day to be thy God. That means you have determined it to be so. That the Lord is going to be your God. And to walk in his ways. Notice these words. To walk in his ways. To keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments. And to hearken unto his voice. We've got to understand, uh, God speaks to us in, in different ways. This would be a good Bible study all by itself. But notice what he said there. It talks about God's ways, God's statutes, God's commandments, and God's judgments. Those are four different things, folks. That's not all the same thing. Those are four different things. Why does it take four different words that, to us, we would say are very similar why does it take... For? Because God is trying to, to to make us well-rounded. Well-rounded. So he's coming at this from every angle possible. He said, some of this you're going to learn because it's my nature. Some of this you're going to learn because I tell you this is what you need to do. Some of it you're going to learn because it's going to be a judgment. And, and there's going to be things that are going to force you into it. And then there's going to be statutes, things I lift up before you, but... But body, soul, and spirit, God is working to try to uh, sanctify his people. God's working to sanctify his people. So notice that verse. Then verse 18. Verse 17 said, we had avouched the Lord. Verse 18 said, and the Lord hath avouched you this day. That means he's determined and chosen for you to be his peculiar people. As he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep, all his commandments. Why? So that he can make you high. Above all nations. Which he hath made. In praise. And in name. And in honor. And that thou mayest be a holy people. Unto the Lord thy God. As he hath spoken. He wants you to be a holy people. You're his peculiar people. It doesn't mean strange. It means his his specified people. God has peculiarly, y'all know what I mean. He has sought us out, and he has specified that we are his people. And he's telling this to Israel. Now, I can hear somebody right now saying, oh, there he goes reading from the Old Testament. There goes that Old Testament stuff again. We're not under that no more. That's the law, and we don't live under the law no more. Oh, you're so smart. I'm trying not to be real um, smart alecky here, okay? You're so smart. I'm so ignorant. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about here. Yes, I do, because I'm reaching back to the same verses that the New Testament writers reach back to to appeal to the people of God for a life of holiness. You've got to understand that. Now, can I? L- let me just jump into to what what I wanted to start talking about, and I'll come back to these scriptures. Later on, good news for me, I just started my time. Brother Andrew, Brother Andrew I'm going need you, Brother Drew, I'm sorry. I'm going to need you to start your time over to match it with my time. Okay. No, I'm kidding. So we, we live in a world. Is that really where I'm at? Oh Lord, help me. We live in a world that is continually striving against the word. Of God. Our world fights the word of God. So very much. And the, the more time that goes on. And the more that our society. Begins to elevate their own thoughts above his thoughts. And their own ways above his ways. The more radical we begin to look. But I want to tell you something right now. We are not the ones who have gone radical. We are the ones who have a singular intent that is very, very realistic, and that is we are pursuing the things of God. But our world has gone radical in appeasing not the things of God, but the things of man, of flesh, of carnality. That's what our world has gone crazy with. And so they are fighting and fighting and fighting against the Word of God, and the more that they fight against the Word of God, the the more we will look in their eyes to be radical. But I I, I want to affirm something. There's a couple of things here I need to affirm to you. One of those things I want to affirm to you is that you are not a weirdo because you choose to follow the laws, the ways, the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments of God. That does not make you strange. That does not make you strange. It does not make you out of touch. It does not make you wrong. We are appealing to a higher authority. Now, here's the second thing I want to affirm to you. If you do not agree with this book, then it's going to seem very extreme and radical to you. If you don't agree with this book, then I don't really have any common ground with you to try to sit there and explain to you why we are the way we are. It it, it will never make sense to you if you don't believe this. But for those of us who believe this book, we've got to do more than just give lip service to this book, y'all. We have got to do more than just give lip service to this book and say that we love the Word of God and say that we believe the Word of God. Jesus uh, said, if you, or excuse me, John said, if you say you love him, but you do not obey him and keep his commandments, you do not love him. If you say you love this book, but you do not obey this book, which is the Word of God, which is, the Bible said that he was the Word made flesh. If you say you love this, and you say that you're committed to this, but you don't obey this, do you love him? So we've got to not according to scripture, so we've got to understand just how big a deal this is. I can't I can't impress it upon us strong enough, just how important this is. so so here's where we're at here's where we're at today. We're now living in a in a, in a day and in a time when and, and I know I, I'm now getting to the age where I'm talking about when I was growing up. And and some of y'all look at me and think, you're still growing up, you know. So I, I get that, I get that. Doctor told me and my wife the other day, they walked in, they saw her age, and they said, oh, my goodness, you don't even look your age. She said, I used to hate it when people told me that. She said, now I'm getting to the place where I really like it. Good for you, babe. She's watching us. So now we're getting to the place that I can remember when When every denomination stood for the inerrancy of the word of God. If you were a Christian, by and large, you said that this book was the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. Y'all remember people saying stuff like that? It wasn't just us. It It was people who disagreed with us doctrinally. But they still said this was God's word. Now we're living in a time and in, in, in a day when people say, "Eh, you know, there's some good stuff in that. And, and, and these are Christian denominations. But but you have to read that through the lens of culture and you have to you have to take that with a grain of salt, because some of that stuff just doesn't it, it, it flies in the face of, of the advancements we have made that we have made. Who do we think we are? that we have advanced past the knowledge of God. But did the Bible not say that there would be every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God? And we're living in such a day. They're telling us, no, you don't know, we know. And and it, it's, it's our reality. So to that end, um, let, let me make this statement. Here's a statement I wanted to make what a lot of people cannot disavow by claiming ignorance they're now seeking to disavow by claiming irrelevance that was a mouthful so it used to be people say well i don't understand it so because i don't understand it i'm just going to you know it, it, i'm just going to keep on going my merry way it's not going to apply to me and some people didn't some people don't want to hear messages like i'm teaching tonight because they don't want to know But now we've gotten to a point where we've we've jumped beyond that. And we're saying we've got people saying it don't really matter whether I understand it or not. If I'm just going to claim it to be irrelevant to me. And that way, that way, I don't have to worry with all that stuff. I'll just say it's irrelevant to me. And this week, this week, not not 20 years down the road this week, a major Christian, I'm I'm using that term loosely, a major Christian denomination this week had a vote at their general conference where they voted on whether or not they would recognize gay marriage as being acceptable in their denomination. They voted whether or not they would recognize gay clergy as being uh, appropriate clergy in their denomination. They voted on that. Now, watch this. I've got a friend who's a clergy, per, uh, a, a clergyman in that denomination. They had they were basically sp- split into three k- camps: of the conservatives, the moderates, and the progressives. The conservatives, the moderates, the progressives, and the conservatives were saying, "And their conservatives, I would by no means consider to be conservative, but to them it it is." Their conservatives were saying, "No, the Bible." is clear that that there is no such thing as a homosexual marriage in the eyes of God. And that's wrong and that's sin and we can't condone it. We certainly can't have people who live that lifestyle preaching in our pulpits. And then the moderates were saying, you know what, we understand this is a very polarizing issue and we don't want to lose the conservatives over the issue, but we also don't want to lose the progressives over the, can let me say it like this, the liberals over the issue. We don't want to, because I consider myself progressive, but not like that. (laughs) We don't want to lose the progressive, the liberals over the issue. And, and so why don't we just kind of duck our heads in the sand and continue? We'll just, you know, don't ask, don't tell, we'll ignore it. If a, if a local congregation wants to invite that in their congregation, let them do it. We just won't make an issue about it. And then the liberals were saying, no, you know, we're called to love all people. And if we don't include or if we don't open our arms to accept these marriages of people, because apparently in their eyes, um, showing love to all people means accepting whatever they want to do. That is not showing love. My children want to do a whole lot of things that they don't get to because I love them. We doing okay tonight? There's a lot of things they don't get to because I love them. Not gonna happen. Um, My son, my son, y'all know he's outdoorsman. He's he's a he he's a hunter. He's a trapper. He's all all the time into all that kind of stuff. Um, I've got this. We call him the Godfather. Y'all know him as Charlie Harris. We, we say he's Asher's godfather because he lets him do all that kind of stuff that I won't always do he gets he he gets him hatchets and and knives and and uh all this kind of stuff and Asher's been begging me begging me begging me when he goes outside to hunt and and adventure and all this stuff he does dad can I take my knife with me can I take my machete with me <laughs> he's got a machete these are the people that i have Helping me parent my kids. But <laughs> I don't think, in his defense, Charlie didn't do the machete. My dad did that. So, just, just helps me prove my point when I tell my dad, you don't always know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, Dad, can I take my machete out there? I cut myself one time. When I took his machete out, just to kind of see how sharp it was, I cut myself. I said no you can't take your machete out. There's no way you're ready for that. Yet he begs me. Dad, am I ready now? It's been a week. Am I ready now? <laughs> Dad, do you think I'm do you think I'm responsible enough now? No, no, no. No. And it's it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I don't let him do it because I love him. And just because we and we do. We love everybody. Let me let me Remind us of that. I know I don't have to in this church, but we love everybody. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter what ethnicity, what language, what color, uh, what what gender you are, what socioeconomic status you come from. It does not matter. We love you. Let's go further. It doesn't matter if if you are if if you are living a straight lifestyle or if you're living a homosexual lifestyle we love you but we do not agree with you and our love does not necessitate our acceptance and true love will never accept everything or by definition, and I don't want to get philosophical here tonight, but I feel the spirit of C.S. Lewis trying to creep up on me, if you ever read him. By definition, love cannot accept everything, or it is not love. It cannot do it. And so, go read C.S. Lewis sometime, by the way. at Very, Mere Christianity, a wonderful book of his. So you had these three camps in this denomination, and so they voted. And here, it was almost split Directly down the middle. The conservatives won the vote. I'm glad to say that. But they won it by 54 votes. In a major Christian denomination. And they said. That if it had not been for the overseas. Portion of their membership. That sent delegates to vote. If their overseas contingent. Had not voted to say, let's uphold what God's word says, the U.S. contingency would have overruled it. So I would tell you that in just a few years, this matter will come back up and the liberals will win. That's what's going to happen. I'll just tell you that. If the Lord tarries is coming, that is what will happen. But that's the culture we're living in. Where a major, I'm not talking about somebody you've never heard of, If I say, many of you may know their names, but if I said their name tonight, you would know who it is, the denomination. A major U.S. denomination is saying, we we know what God's word has said, but we find it to be irrelevant. So if we're going to pursue God in the high call of holiness, we're going to have to make sure that we elevate his word above every other thing. If I don't elevate the word of God above my thoughts, above my feelings, above my opinions. Listen to this word. Above my sensibilities. If I don't do that, I find myself going down a road that God cannot honor. So we've got to make up our mind that his word is supreme. Will anybody agree with me on that tonight? Could we just thank God for his word that he has magnified above all his name? So if that is what mainstream Christianity is debating in 2019, then you can imagine how outdated I will sound As I teach this series. And you can imagine how outdated. What we profess to be pleasing to God. Is going to be seen. By many people. That's why you have to make up your mind. It does not matter to me. What anybody else thinks about this. It does not matter. I've told this story before. When I was just really really young. Just a just. I don't know, probably something in the neighborhood of four, five, six years old. Um, Our family had gone through something, and it it rocked our family. And and, um, it was outside of my immediate family, but it was very close to our family. And my mother, I can remember my mother coming in my bedroom to pray over me. And sometimes when she thought I was asleep, praying, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Lord, and I know she did it for Sean, Lord, don't ever let Kenneth leave the truth. God put a love for the truth inside of his heart. She was praying that, praying that. And then sometimes she would tell me, Kenneth, with tears running down her eyes because of things she knew was happening in family, Kenneth, if your dad and I ever lose our minds and we walk away from God and we backslide, don't you do it. Just a little boy. Tell me, it stuck with me. All these years. Here we are 30 years later. And that still rings in my head. If your dad and I ever lose our minds. And we walk away from the truth of the word of God. Don't you do it. It had to get in my heart. And I've got to love God's word. That's why Jesus said. That's why Jesus said. uh, Except you love me. And hate father and mother. Anybody ever read that in the Bible? By the way, is that a New Testament scripture? Let's just do that New Testament stuff. Okay. He said, love me and hate father and mother. What does he mean? You've got to despise your parents. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, your love for me should make your love for them look like hate. However committed you are to them, you've got to be so much the more committed to me. You've got to be able to commit to me above them. Matter of fact, if I ask you to do something that is contrary to them, you've got to follow me and not them. And you've heard the testimony of your friend, Caitlin, and what she went through. Came out of a religious uh, sect um, that was, would not be considered Christianity, really, I, I, I guess, by, by us. And her family shunned her because she embraced this truth. And her family shunned her because of it. And uh, would even ignore her. Went to the point of telling her, you're not our daughter. You're not our family anymore. Don't you know that hurt? Can you imagine for your family that you love? Think how much we all love our family. For you, your family that you loved to to tell you, I reject you. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. But you've got to have the strength to say, as much as that hurts. And as much as I want, in my flesh, everything in my flesh may want to say, give this up and go be with them. But I've got to make a commitment to God that goes even above that. And let me deal with us here, as a lot of us in here are... Or getting to be older generations, you're you're hyphen or older. Uh, my children, my love for God has to be in devotion to God has to be above even my kids. I'm doing okay tonight. I was gonna say real good. It's what my father-in-law always said. But you need to hear this because because if the devil cannot get us through our own flesh if he can't get us through extended family members or friends he'll start coming just as close as he can and if he can get you through your kids he'll try to get you through your kids i know where i stand but but my kids aren't doing this and and it's hard for me to to say my kids are living wrong so instead of saying That I'm going to stand here. I'll love you, but I'm going to stand here. I love you, but I don't accept what you're doing. Instead of saying that, I say, okay, I'll come over here and accept what you're doing. The problem is no man can serve two masters. You'll love the one, and you'll hate the other. You'll cleave the one, and you'll shun the other. We've got to make up our minds where our devotion is going to lie. I have to tell you tonight, this thing, this church thing, this is not some compartmentalized box in our lives. This church thing that we're all involved in and we're all a part of, this is the most important thing in your life, this side of glory. the most important. So it's going to cause division. It will it will bring heartache. Do you hear what I'm saying? It will bring heartache. It will be difficult at times, but we've got to decide whom we will serve as Brother Tim taught Sunday morning in the class. Choose you this day whom ye will serve and really That's what about that's what pursuing the call of holiness is all about. It is choosing whom we will serve. Will it be him? Or will it be the gods of your fathers, the gods of the land that we're in? Who's it going to be? Who will you serve? We are fighting an uphill battle in 2019. I am. I guess I'm really taking this first lesson tonight to try to encourage you to get you to to the point mentally. That it's okay for you to stand against the onslaught of this world. That's what I want you to leave here with tonight. I can and I will stand against the onslaught. Can I use an old school term that some people don't like anymore? I will stand against the onslaught of worldliness. Worldliness, the world system that is constantly pushing against us. And and anecdotes like the story I told you of that denomination tonight, anecdotes like that just go to prove to us that it's working. The onslaught of worldliness is having an effect. But in the middle of all of that, In the middle of the picture I just painted you. God has a church. God still has a church. God's church is not weak. God's church is not faltering. God's church is certainly not failing. But God's church is alive and it is well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And she may have her detractors and she may have her naysayers, but in the middle of all of that, there is still a people that have never bowed the knee to Baal. There is still a people that have never wavered in their commitment to God. There is still a people that says, God, whatever you have said, that is what I will choose. That is where I will go. That is where my devotion will lie. Clap your hands and give God praise. Be careful, be careful. Be careful who you surround yourself with. If the people... There's, there's probably a couple things here. One, if the people that you're around are constantly trying to say something negative about the Word of God, God's church, or God's people... If it's always negative, take note. Take note. Because. Striving to argue against God's word is a sure sign that our hearts are not in alignment with him. When we strive to argue against the word of God and we use other stuff as. Maybe we say, well, I'm, a, I'm okay with the Word of God, but it's those people I've got a problem with. I get so frustrated with preachers who, act, who preach, and every time they preach, everybody in the church is a hypocrite. That bugs me. Brother Elms, that really fires me up. I've, I've, I've heard some people get in the pulpit, and, and everything is about, about all these people who don't want to live for God. Nobody wants to live for God. You should have been here on Sunday. Come on, somebody. You should have been here on Sunday. Do we got our problems? Sure we do. But so do you. But at least I, I don't try to be a hypocrite. Well, we're trying to live for God. We get it wrong sometimes, but at least we're trying. Well, there I go, meddling. Let me get back where I was. We've got to make sure that we so you so you get people who use who who use people as their reason for why they won't line up with the Word of God. they listen to that logic. they use other people's actions, words, deeds, whatever as The reason why they won't align, not them, but me, why I'm not going to align with the Word of God. The problem is, God's not judging your life based on their life. Your holiness, your holiness, is totally separate from their holiness. And holiness is more, we'll talk about it as we go through this, it's more than what we look. I'm talking about our thoughts, our attitudes, all that stuff. Your holiness is separate from their holiness. At the end of the day, they can be as unholy as they want to be. But you can be as holy as you choose to be. And if we allow other people's hypocrisies, their unholiness, their, their issues, To become the excuse we give for why we will not live a holy, dedicated, Bible-affirming life. It will not hold up with God. It will not hold up with God. And there's multiple scripture to talk about that. That's not my message tonight. If we are striving to argue against God's word, it's a sign that our hearts are not in alignment. So if you get around people and they want to criticize the word of God, they want to criticize the people of God, they want to criticize the preacher, whatever it is. And and I'm not saying we should have uh, a blank check. I'm not asking for a blank check. I'm asking you, uh, I've got to be accountable too. okay? But I am asking you to observe my track record. If I've, if I've got issues all the time, okay, then maybe there's a problem. But if you know me and you know my heart and I've made a mistake, give me a little bit of grace. Give me the grace you want me to give you. And let's, let's look at track records here and let's make, let's make certain that we're getting in alignment with the Word of God. Typically, typically, if we're using other people as our excuse not to be in alignment with the Word of God, it's not really about the people, it's about our unwillingness to align with the Word of God. Okay? Now, when you talk about holiness, and i'm I'm not far from being done tonight, okay, when you talk about holiness, you're talking about a word called in the Greek Hagios, okay? That word means to be separate, set apart. The word means for you to be removed from something. So when we talk about holiness, we're talking about serving a holy God. Why why is he a holy God? Because he is unlike anything else. He is unlike the sin in our world. He is unlike the carnality in our world. He is unlike the system of our world. He he totally is, is, is completely opposite of that. None of that is who our God is. He's separate from it. Then why do we have it? Because God wanted a people who would choose to love him, serve him, and obey him. So our holy God is holy because he's set apart. There's nobody like him. He said, he said is there any beside me? I know not any. Uh, where were you, Job, when I stretched forth the skies? Where were you when I did all these things? You tell me. You tell me. You're so smart, Job, all your friends. You're so smart. Tell me. How did I do all this stuff? H- how did I tell the sea how far to go? Explain it to me. Tell me about it. Nobody can. Why? Because he's all by himself. He's in a class all of his own. He's a holy God. Yet that holy God said, I want a people who will be a holy people. You're just saying that. No, I'm not. The scripture said it and I read it. Be ye holy as I am holy. Old Testament, New Testament. Be ye holy like I'm holy. I'm holy, so I want you to be holy. So what does that mean practically? That means I want you to pursue to be as much like me in character, in nature, as you possibly can. Okay? I want you to be as much like me as you possibly can. So, God's asking us to be set apart. He is giving us His holiness in order that we can be near him. I preached Sunday about going behind that veil. I preached about going behind that veil. The priest, the high priest, when he would minister in the tabernacle, he had on, uh, one of y'all helped me, was it, was it on the, the, the band of his head or was it on his breastplate where it said, Holiness unto the Lord? On his head. Holiness, it said, unto the Lord. And so the priest, if he was going to minister before the Lord, he had to have holiness under the Lord. But he wasn't holy in and of himself. How did he get it? The Bible said he's going to follow my plan. As he follows my plan, I will impute holiness to him. I will make him holy because he cannot make himself holy. Therefore, God said, I will make him holy. You can't holy yourself up one bit. You can't dress in a certain way enough to be holy. You can't can't shut yourself off from everybody and make yourself holy. It's an impossibility. Holiness only comes from God. But God honors our lives of obedience to his word. And it is through obedience that righteousness, holiness is imputed. Well, explain that to me. And this is what I end with tonight. Where are we at on time? Oh, look at that, 754. The Bible said, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. You catch that? And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. How do we know Abraham believed God? We know he believed God because his faith, his belief was backed up by what he did. Abraham believed God. So when God said, Abraham, I want to make of you a great nation. Leave where you are. Remember what I was talking about earlier? Leave father and mother. Leave your family and follow me. And I'll make of you a great nation. Abraham believed God. How do we know Abraham believed God? There you go. It's real simple, isn't it? We know he believed him because he said, all right. Hey, Sarah, let's go. And they got up and they went. Because he obeyed God, it showed his his obedience was the proof of his faith. James would say his. Faith with works. He obeyed God when he obeyed God, God said, all right, I'm giving you righteousness when we obey God. God begins to impute righteousness into our lives. That is why, that is why, the newest convert, the newest convert, can be just as holy. They can look however they look, but they come in here and they've repented of their sins and they've been born again of water and of spirit. When they when they walk out of this church that day, I'm gonna I may mess with some of y'all right now. But whenever they walk out of this church, they can walk out looking however they're going to look as they did when they came in here. But they're going to walk out of here just as holy in the eyes of God as anybody else that's lived for God for 80 years in this church. They will be just as holy in the eyes of God. Why? Because when they believe God, And they obeyed God. I believed Him. I went to the altar and I repented of my sins. I believed Him. So I went to the baptistry and I had them call the name of Jesus over me. In the waters of baptism. I believed Him. So I threw my hands in the air. And said Lord would you fill me with your spirit. And He filled me with the Holy Ghost. They believed God. He imputed it to them for righteousness. When they walk out of here. They're just as holy in the eyes of God as anybody. Now. The difference is, will we continue to walk in our obedience? As God continues to give us revelation, will we continue to embrace it, accept it, walk in it? If we do, then righteousness. Abraham, as long as you're walking, I'm going to count it to you for righteousness. Abraham. As long as you keep walking, everywhere I tell you to walk, it's righteousness to me. As long as you keep going in the right direction, it's righteousness. And as long as you and I keep living our lives in a long obedience to a holy God. God's going to say holiness is going to be your portion. Righteousness is going to be your portion. You obey as I reveal And if you will obey what I reveal to you, you will have my holiness. But we're fighting. We're fighting in a culture that mocks who we are and what we stand for. And we're going to fight that enough on the outside. God forbid we ever fight it on the inside. We've got to love God's word so much that whatever he says, we will obey, and as this church obeys God, we may be in varying levels of obedience. But as long as we are obeying, that's why you don't need to point your finger at anybody and 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 uh, try to rebuke them. You let you let pastor deal with all that stuff. That's not that's not for the saints that God do. You let me handle that stuff. But as long as people are headed in the right direction, that's gonna be. Uh, I understand. Will there be hypocrites? Yes. Will there be people who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof? Yes. But it's going to be the exception. It's not going to be the rule. And we're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Somebody say amen. We're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to try to walk in obedience to God. How do I get holiness in my life? You get holiness by obeying God. If you will obey God, holiness will be your portion. Righteousness will be your portion. Godliness, I'll talk about those terms later. Godliness will be your portion if you will obey God. So that's why tonight I had to begin this whole thing. Talking about how important this is. Because I'm not going to get up here in this series and and give you Kenneth O'Connell. Chapter one, verse seven. And tell you, this is why we do it. I'm going to give you the word of God. I'm going to give you the word of God. I don't ask this church to do things. That I feel I can't support with a biblical principle. Okay. I asked this church to so so i don't i don't I'm not gonna die on a battlefield that God doesn't want me to die on, but I am going to die on every battlefield that God said, You can't give this hill up. I will not give it up and and I know. What has fought this city in times past. And I tell you tonight. I tell you tonight. God wants his church. To stand. For holiness. And if his church will stand for holiness. God will elevate the church. God will take care of the church. This church is in a good position today because this church has been seeking after God and has been obeying God. But we'd better not hit the brakes now because pastor's getting ready to talk about some difficult things. Don't punch the brakes now. Go ahead and say, Lord, speak to me. And all through this series, we need to be praying for a spirit of revelation to come upon us and for an openness in our hearts to the Word of God, and we need to be asking God to allow His ways to become our ways. And God, what You see as holy, that's the kind of holiness I want in my life. Yes. It may it may go against my culture. It may it may uh, fight the tide of of everything that is around me, the context of the world that I live in. It may go against all of those things. But God, if it's what you desire of me, then God, it's what I want for my life and for my family. So I will choose the high calling of holiness. It's a high call. God's asking us to be separate. God's asking us to be holy as he is holy. Is there anything higher that God could ask of you and I? That's the call. Be ye holy as I am holy. And I say tonight, Lord, we hear your call. God, we desire your ways. And we will reach for your holiness. Could we lift our hands together? Maybe stand up together right now. And could we just take a moment in this, in this hallowed moment to seek after him? To desire of him the things that are heavenly? How can we sit with him in heavenly places if we have not embraced his holiness? For what fellowship hath light with darkness? What fellowship hath the clean with the unclean? If I'm going to sit with him in heavenly places, it will only be because that which was unholy received holiness. Do you understand the power of that? I can't get there. I cannot get in there without holiness unto the Lord. If I want to go beyond that curtain, I've got to have holiness unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. Has this been all right tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.